This is The Shift Podcast. Thanks for checking out The Shift Podcast with John Jang. On this episode, we have a chat with Todd Minerson, the Canada Country Director for Movember.com, about a new initiative called Family Man, a free parenting resource that's designed specifically for single fathers. And are you okay with barbecue in the winter or no news on Facebook? Big questions here. And in case you missed it, guest producer Jason Manawas, a.k.a. Sparkle Pants, birthday boy, comes at you with the 2021 Australian Open, Saturday Night Live, and Offensive Disney. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and stay up to date on everything that's going on with The Shift. Let's uh, bring in a very special guest uh, joining us now on the show. You may remember the last time we spoke with him, it was back during Movember as we managed to create the first ever Shift Movember team, and we raised well over $1,000 for that campaign, the first of its kind. Now, with that said, Todd Minerson, the Canada Country Director for Movember.com, joins us back tonight on the Shift. Todd, welcome back, my friend. How are things going with you? Things are really good. Can I say Happy New Year still, or is it too? Are we, are we past that? Absolutely, you can. I don't think there is an expiration date. I mean, maybe once we get like towards April, maybe it'll start wearing a little bit thin. But yeah, okay. I, I'll, I'll accept it, man. And Happy New Year's to you. Happy well, that you happy could join New Year's. us. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. It's great to chat again, and um, yeah, super excited to to talk today. And just um, thanks for reaching out. You got it. So uh, this this very peculiar uh, sort of timing worked out because uh, I was thinking about how on this show, especially um, as we're moving further and further into 2021, we try to remind ourselves that mental health and uh, having to stay focused on that is so important right now. So I reached out to you uh, this past week because I want, I, I remember you talking when we connected in uh, in November about how you, you're, you're an advocate for mental health awareness. And uh, we should always start thinking about that even outside of things like Movember. And Movember is great because it lets us focus on these conversations and there's reminders every single day throughout that month of that conversation. But mm-hmm. since we're now here in late February, we don't want people to just forget how important these conversations are. So I reached out to you and uh, we're, we're certainly going to have a discussion a little bit later on about the importance of just reminding yourself that your mental health is just, just as important as your physical health right now. But then you mentioned that there's something brand new going on with Movember and uh, I... I I love this new program, this new initiative that's been launched here. So help us explain what is going on with something that's called Family Man. Yeah, you know, you nailed it. Mental health issues and mental wellness, even more appropriately, is something we always have to be on top of, right? And at November, our work around men's mental health is 365 days a year. We grow the mustaches, we raise the money in November, but we're really concerned and focused on it uh, 24-7, 365. And you know, one of the things that we've researched about men's mental health, John, is that for a lot of men, there can be these kind of catalytic moments in our lives where, you know, depending on how we manage it, our mental health can take a turn for the worse. And you can imagine some of those things are like grief and loss or um, losing your job or a business kind of failure, relationship breakdown. But surprisingly, one of those spaces actually is parenting as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we know that uh, when men feel increased stress due to parenting uh, challenges, it can be a catalyst for worsening mental health. And when a dad in particular's mental health is not great, the outcomes are not good for the whole family. So we looked at this uh, challenge and came up with a, a project, an initiative called Family Man. And, you know, we can dig into it some more, but really it's the world's first online resource for dads with practical tangible, real tips for managing um, and improving your parenting skills. And by doing that, we're hoping it helps reduce the stress associated with parenting and some of the really more tragic um, outcomes around men's mental health by by giving guys the right tools to, to be better dads. And let, let's just repeat that line again, the world's first online parenting program that's aimed for dads. I feel like it's 2021, Todd, like it's surprising that this is the first one. I'm glad that it's here now, but you know, it feels like this should have been in place a long, long time ago. So why, well, why do you think there was such a vacuum there? You know what? Uh, it's not as much a vacuum to be really honest, John. There are amazing parenting resources out there. Mm. Amazing parenting resources out there. Um, and there are also, you know, uh, studies and research that prove 
when people access these online tools, it can really make a difference. Here's some of the stuff that we found out when we looked into it for dads. If you think, you know, roughly moms and dads are 50-50, right, mm -hmm. out there. Um, men's participation in, in these kinds of online parenting tools was down around 11 or 12% of the participants. So something's going on there. Like men are not feeling like or not um, willing to access or not willing to ask for help in, in, in utilizing some of these um, online parenting tools. Um, so we knew that there was, it's not a necessarily a gap that there aren't amazing resources out there, but some of them may not speak to dads or give dads the permission to, to ask for help or maybe approach it with a little bit of a sense of humor. Um, and so we really felt that there was an, a void there for us to come into for the men that we care about um, and develop something that's really, really specific for them. And um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's not that there aren't amazing tools out there mm. and it's not that they don't work. It's just that we had to find a different way to get guys to access these tools and hopefully uh, really realize the benefit of it for them and for their families. Now, of course, as mentioned, I'm not a dad, but um, one thing I am is a Leo and I'm a man. So I know when it comes to pride and stubbornness and the need to ask for help, sometimes it's hard, man. It's hard to swallow your pride and be like, okay, I, I really need an expert to help me out here or I need some sort of professional or some kind of guidance. But it's funny, Todd, because we, we now that we are here in the digital age, you can learn how to do anything on the internet. You can learn how to do anything using YouTube. So is there any shame in trying to learn how to become a better parent by accessing online resources? Absolutely not. And, um, you know, there, you, you, you hinted on a bunch of things that are probably at play there, right? Something about men and masculinity and our pride and our unwillingness to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Something about... Um, you know, being a dad, it's something that eight, eight out of 10 guys on the planet are going to experience at some point in their life. And you kind of just assume that you might know how to do it. I, I can tell you for sure when you um, leave hospital with a child or, you know, you're finally alone with your baby for the first time, there's nothing that prepares you for what you're what's <laughs> in your heart and mind and, and brain all in that moment. Like who's, who's allowing me to take care of this tiny human being with mm -hmm. my partner, whatever kind of situation you're in. Um, but the other thing that might be at play here is, you know, I think a lot of guys today want to do uh, fatherhood differently. And that's not a, a slag at all on, on the generation before us that raised us. But a lot of those guys, like my dad's generation, just never had the tools. It wasn't an expectation. So, you know, it may also be that there's a lack of kind of role modeling out there for, for men about how to be a committed, engaged father how to work as part of a really effective team, how to do your share of the um, labor in the home, um, because all of those things mean for healthier, happier kids and healthier, happier partners and healthier, happier dads. So there's a lot of things at play, but we hope that um, Family Man is going to try to start to get to uh, unlocking some of those for guys. Uh, we're in conversation with Todd Minerson, the Canada Country Director for Movember.com, and uh, talking about a brand new initiative called Family Man. It's, and I think we haven't uh, maybe stressed this enough yet, Todd, is that it's it's a completely free resource for dads that are looking for a little bit more help. And I think the timing of when this launched really matters too, because here we are. It is February in 2021, but we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. That tells me, again, not being a dad, but assuming, that tells me there is more family time at home. There's more uh, kids not being able to go out and socialize with their friends. And similarly for dads, you just kind of have to stay put. So it seems like the need for good, engaged relationships, good, honest communications and connections with, uh, you know, the relationship between dad and parent, uh, sorry, dad and child, it's more important now than ever to know what it is you're doing and uh, how you can improve if, for example, this relationship is starting to get a little tedious at times. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic is hard on a lot of things. And in, in our first kind of effort of responding to it in back in the summer and in the fall, we tried to address the issue of isolation with November conversations and really giving people tools to kind of have meaningful conversations about their mental health. Next on our list was uh, parenthood and, and fatherhood. And yeah, you're right. Like proximity, school schedules, not having organized sports, not having organized fitness, healthcare regimes in place. Um, just the, the long drawn out nature of all of this now, it's tough. It's really tough on families. And um, 
gosh, spending like time in close quarters <laughs> over that length of time, I can speak to this <laughs> directly and be really challenging. Um, and so, so, you know, good concrete parenting tips are, are really important, especially for, you know, the age group where we've identified in this tool, in this iteration of the tool, kind of ages two to eight, um, because kids are still really forming and learning and becoming independent and, and some of the challenges are really difficult and some of the um, some of the tools and strategies that you need are not really that well known for guys. So Family Man, as you said, it's a completely free online resource. Right now we have three episodes um, looking at one, uh, encouraging positive behavior with your kids. Uh, the second one is managing um, uh, misbehavior. And the third one is for being out in the world and how to manage situations like that. So a backyard barbecue or a supermarket or something. And we plan to introduce, you know, many more episodes in there, but free and all three episodes you will, you go through, it's kind of choose your own adventure and you practice actually strategies for what would you do here and why, and why might this work better or not? And the whole thing can take less than an hour to do all three episodes. So we know time is tight for parents as well. And so we tried to make it really digestible, really easy to remember and, and really tangible, concrete um, tips for parents. Well, I think that's an excellent point. Time is precious. They say time is money. So getting this done rather easily within a single hour, uh, that makes a lot of sense. It's actually really helpful. So right now in conversation with Todd Minerson, the Canada Country Director for Movember.com. And Todd, uh, we were just talking about how this new initiative called Family Man takes less than an hour to complete extremely helpful parenting resource designed specifically for dads. And the one thing that I think we should focus on more here is that this entire program and initiative, it's completely free. And that's huge, especially since a lot of families just don't have a ton of disposable income right now. And we know that a lot of individuals across the country are still dealing with unemployment. Sure. And this is, you know, in large part, thanks to the generosity of, of our November community all the fundraising that they do, all the all the the great support that they provide, we're able to make sure that this tool is free. And, you know, frankly, cost is another barrier for people accessing uh, these kinds of resources. So we wanted to take that right out of the equation. And, um, you know, it's evidence-based. It's, it's based on um, some work, get this, not a joke, by a professor from Australia named Mark Dads. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we always got to do something with a little uh, cheekiness at November, but, but uh, Professor Dads in Australia has been working on how to simplify parenting for a long time. And uh, he worked with us to evolve some of his research and thinking to craft this for guys. And I should say as well, you know, one of the really important things, John, is not that men should do fatherhood alone, you know? <laughs> and do it without being part of a great team. And however that team looks like, if it's you know two dads or a single dad or a mom and dad, or even an intergen intergenerational family, you know we know these are the diverse realities of fatherhood these days. Um, so a big part of the tool as well is how do you work well with your partner, your other caregivers in your life? Mm. Uh, to be consistent, because if anyone out there has kids, they know, like, you know, if you don't, if you don't get your way with mom, then you go and ask dad or vice versa. And being on the same page, being part of a team is really, really important. And um, that's another thing that I really love about the tool. It, it, it is for fathers, it is geared towards fathers, but it could be useful for anybody. Mm. And that, that part about working together as a team is really, really essential to help your kids be as reach their full potential and be as happy as possible. I, admittedly, as a former child, I, I did pit team mom against team dad so often to try and get my way and try and sympathize with one party. If it doesn't work, okay, I'm going to try the other party. So um, you're right. Like if the parents, uh, if the caregivers are on the same team, the same equilibrium, honestly, a consistent message each and every time is, is probably the best thing for a child. I mean, look how I turned up. My goodness, you don't want to turn into John Jang. Um, and again, I think that's a really excellent point that you're making. While this is specifically tailored for dads because there seems to be a need and a desire for a program like this to exist, uh, the principles and the lessons here are applicable to anybody. So as example, you know, I even said, I'm going to check this out. I'm not a dad yet. I imagine one day, I hope, knocking on wood, that I will be. But uh, I can show this to my, my partner. I can show this to girlfriends. I can show this to my potential wife down the road and say, hey, mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking at this resource and I think it'd be excellent if you and I maybe did some of these together just so that we have a good understanding of what I'm trying to accomplish and we can get you on, on board as well. 
yeah, it's, it's really something that can be used together and it's really helpful. Um, like I said, as well as any shape of family, because families come in a million different, you know, varieties these days. That's right. And, and we love that. And we want to make sure that this tool is, is inclusive of all of that and, and reflects that. So, you know, we did a lot of consultation with, um, with fathers, uh, you know, the other great part about being in November, we did it around the world, right? We did it in our communities in the US and the UK and Australia and also here in Canada. So we talked to a lot of dads, we talked to a lot of families to make sure that they felt like they were represented in this in this um, resource. The first three episodes were the kind of top three challenges that people want to get started with. And we do plan on developing more and adding to that, that base um, that we have there right now. And, you know, the website as well, it has the three episodes, but it also has some tips around um, parenting in a pandemic and organizing your time and you know, practicing good rewards and doing some fun stuff. It also has all the research that the, the project is built on if people want to dig deeper into and find out more about some of these strategies and techniques. So yeah, it, this, you know, we're really, really proud of this and really excited that it's coming out outside of November. Um, <laughs> so we can continue to kind of put our commitment to, to mental health and, and men's wellness, you know, beyond that one month of the year, because we know, we know that it's a it's a 12 month full time consideration for a lot of people. Well said. Uh, you can check out this resource right now, as mentioned, free, available online at your convenience, Movember.com. The name of this project, uh, really more of it, a program and an initiative is called Family Man and uh, just a, a great resource now available. If you need help, just being honest with yourself, it's not uh, something to be ashamed of to reach out for help and, and trying to get it yourself. Uh, Todd, before we let you go, just a quick thought on what you were just uh, sort of summarizing there and the importance of mental health here throughout the pandemic. You know, throughout the past number of months, we've had the privilege of having some experts on uh, maybe at least once a month to just remind people that, hey, you know, let's ask ourselves this one question as regularly as we can. How's my mental health? And if it's not doing so hot, it's okay, because mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the challenge of living through a pandemic right now. So I guess the, the question to you today is, how do you balance trying to make sure that you know you're, you're you're as happy and as positive as can be you're trying to be optimistic throughout this pandemic but knowing that maybe on the inside there are certain things by now as we're getting towards what 12 months of this whole pandemic here in Canada that there's probably fatigue and there's exhaustion yeah. and there's just a feeling that you've you're done with it I want to get back to normal I want to go back to my friends I want to do all these things all over again but uh, being asked by all the experts to nope don't do that just do what's right and safe, even though it's not the easiest thing to do right now. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, and certainly in what we see in some of the literature, John, is number one is to talk about it. And number two, stay connected. And the number three thing that I always try to do with with me and my family and my coworkers is to say, what we are going through right now is not normal. It's okay <laughs> to struggle with it. It is not normal. This is not how human um, life is supposed to be, you know, these kinds of rules and restrictions and uncertainties and fears and illness and lack of connection, lack of routine, that's not normal. So it's okay. It's okay to struggle. And the two things that can, you know, obviously are not the only things that are out there to help, but can start to help is talking about it and staying connected to people. And so even if you're doing okay, I would really, really urge you to like keep an eye out on your friends and the people that you care about. Make that extra effort. Don't let the silly stuff like, oh, I don't know what to say. I talked to talked to this guy last week and you know, there was nothing, nothing new, nothing to talk about. <laughs> no change is no change, you know. But I would just encourage you to to you can make the world a difference by making that phone call, sending that text, uh, just showing people that you're you're there for them, that you care. And um talk, 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 and connect, connect, connect. That's, those are the two pillars of getting started on it. And, you know, if you do need more support, if you do need more help, you can find resources on our Movember.com uh, website. You can find resources in your local health center, local community care center, but don't be afraid and don't be ashamed because this is not normal. What we're going through is not normal. Well said, and uh, people should know the difference between physical distancing and social distancing. Right now is a important time to stay as social as possible, doing it the right way, of course, reaching out, messaging friends, calling them, 
FaceTiming, doing whatever you can. And my suggestion, if, if people are getting to a point where you're like, I don't know what to text my friends anymore. We've talked about a little bit of everything and anything. Uh, look up like easy or sometimes very difficult riddles on the internet and ask them like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna do like a weekly riddle with you. Uh, the challenge is not to Google it. Although if you do, like how am I ever going to find out? <laughs> but just be honest and like try to figure out this riddle. I'll give you hints along the way. Uh, I, I did that a couple of times and my friends seem to seem to enjoy it. And um, it, it's kind of become a thing where I do a riddle and then they'll send me a joke. So it's uh, it's a nice little partnership that we've got there. So fun, fun ways like that. That way you can spice it up and it never gets old. Exactly. I have one buddy who lives alone and, you know, we, we don't have stuff to talk about every day or two days. But what we do do now is um, we text each other a picture of what we're having for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of silly. It's kind of stupid. But, you know, I, I it gives me a sneak in, sneak peek into his life and he gets a peek into mine. And, you know, we can have a little laugh about things as it goes along. But it, it just maintains a connection, you know, a link between us. And even when I just get a picture of a plate full of drumsticks, drumsticks <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I love this guy. And, you know, it makes me want to text him back. So you're so right. Riddles, something some silly, something fun, but just keep that connection going, especially mm-hmm. if you think people are, are feeling alone and feeling disconnected. Well said. Uh, he is Todd Minerson, Canada Country Director for Movember.com. Uh, if you need help, whether it's with your mental health or right now as a parent, as a dad, check out this new initiative, uh, Family Man, on the website, Movember.com. Todd, thank you so much for giving us some time here tonight on the show. Excellent chats with you, as always. Uh, we will remember to, to touch base with you again down the road, not too far from here. Uh, I thank you for creating this program and helping us Canadians and, and everyone listening tonight to know more about Family Man. And uh, yeah, uh, we appreciate you giving us some time as always. Glad to do it, John, anytime. And thanks for your uh, support and and sharing the resource. I hope people find it valuable. And uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people you care about. We're going to get through this. Yeah, I I love that. Uh, You know, it's great having a partnership like this with Movember. Uh, certainly, um, what is it, uh, nine months down the road, uh, I will be rocking the mustache all over again. And I hope that uh, you're thinking about growing a mustache with me if you can, or doing whatever you can to be a part of the uh, second ever Shift Movember team. But that's not all the way up until the fall. So we got plenty of time to get ready for that. And I encourage you, if you were listening and you thought that was kind of interesting, if you feel like it could benefit you and your family, or maybe one of your friends, maybe one of your coworkers. Let them know of this new free program, Family Man, at Movember.com. It's the Shift Podcast. Let's bring in our good friend, Roberto. Yeah. Oh, Roberto, bringing the bass here tonight. Are you okay? You know, since we're talking about food, are you okay with barbecue in the winter? I mean, I think barbecue is like a 365-day kind of thing. <laughs> right. I mean, weather permitting, obviously. Yeah. But, um, like, it's an all-season kind of kind of season for me, barbecue. I can get behind that. Would you barbecue out in the snow, though? Like, say if you really wanted barbecue, would you barbecue in the snow? If I really wanted barbecue, absolutely. Yeah. I'd do whatever it took. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm down too then because I love barbecue. I, I can definitely see tons and tons of people probably like laughing at that question because they probably already do barbecue in the snow, right? I mean, we don't get a lot of snow here, right? We don't get a lot of ice. But if you're in Alberta, if you're in Saskatchewan, you got a nice grill that you're proud of. You call yourself a grill master on the weekend. Then heck yeah, you probably love the idea of firing up a nice steak or ribs on the rack. And then you look around and snow, snow, still falling. That's why you get one of those uh, parasols, a nice little umbrella to cover your barbecue so it don't get damaged. Are you okay with barbecue in the winter? Heck yeah, I'm all about that. Uh, we bring this up uh, because ESPN College football analyst and former NFL defensive lineman Mike Golick has been working with Operation Barbecue Relief that feeds people who have been affected by natural disasters. Hey gang, I know I've told you I've been working with uh, Operation Barbecue Relief, an incredible organization that goes to wherever natural disasters are and and feeds people, their first responders, displaced families, anybody who needs it, hot barbecue meals just to, to help them through these times. Well, as we know, Texas is really going through some hard times and Operation Barbecue Relief has deployed down to Houston where they are serving meals. They can serve up to 10,000 meals a day. They're serving meals 
uh, to people in nursing homes, to families with people with disabilities and, and all those who need it out there. So they are deployed out there now. They have the volunteers, they have the grills, they're making these barbecue meals. And certainly they need donations to keep this going as well. So if you're so inclined to attach to this video is a place to donate if you can, if you can't completely understand. But uh, it's an incredible organization that's doing a lot of good and they're doing it right now uh, in Houston. So if you can help, uh, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Love it. That is such an excellent cause, excellent program. And uh, we're getting responses to the question. Uh, are you okay with barbecues in the winter? Uh, we got this one from Unholy Goalie in Edmonton saying uh, that, okay, first of all, this is in response to Catherine. He's saying the cheater role, cheddar, beet, and Italian roll. It should be called the cheater <laughs> roll. We got this one from Dwayne, though. Barbecue in the winter? Hell yeah. I barbecue at least once a week all year round. See, we just need to have cooler friends, like cooler friends that have really awesome grills. Uh, we also got uh, a lot of responses saying, if you aren't actually barbecuing in the winter, you aren't truly Canadian. So there you go. It, it has to come with, the, of course, geography and how often you actually use the barbecue. Do you even own a barbecue? But there's certainly, I think, tons of Canadians who look at that and say, snow, ah, just another, another little challenge we got to put our serious pants on for just a moment. Let's bring back Roberto really quickly. And Roberto is providing the right atmosphere. Are you okay with no news on Facebook? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because um, it's, I mean, it, uh, Facebook to me is a social platform. Mm -hmm. You know, it's where you do a lot of your communication with friends, you know, share a lot of information but that's also kind of the problem is some of the information that you do end up sharing can be bogus and yeah. lead to a lot of arguments and about legitimacy, you know, about yep. your sources and everything like that. Not everybody, you know, has like a like a particular lens to to tell whether something is like a credible source or not, right? That's right. You know, and especially with the internet and I mean there's nothing is a lie on the internet, am I right? If it's online, it must be true. If it's online, yeah. it must be true. So um, I'm okay personally with no news on Facebook because it's a social platform, and I think that's what it should be used for. That's my rant. It's a good answer. Jason? Yeah, I don't think Facebook was ever intended to be like a news uh, platform. And I've seen like sort of the firsthand consequences with this with my parents, actually, who will, who will sometimes see a story on Facebook and then they'll send it to me, Jason, you have to look at this story. And I and me working in the news media, I'll be like, well, uh, sorry to break it to you, mom, dad. Uh, but that's not true. Mm. So I've seen the consequences of what can happen if you share on there. And that's uh, pr the, the reason why I'm, I'm barely on Facebook. I still have an account um, to connect with uh, family that's all over the world. But sometimes like when I see the, the type of stuff that gets posted on Facebook, I can tell that it's... Not always the right stuff on there. Another good answer. Are you okay with no more news of any kind on Facebook? Well, we did mention in Australia, when uh, the folks down under checked Facebook for news this morning, they actually found nothing. The company is in an escalating dispute with the government, which has proposed a brand new law that would result in uh, tech giants like Facebook and Google actually paying media outlets for content that is used on their sites and on their apps. It's not only the, uh, the one country that's rethinking the rules about getting big tech companies paying for news content. Global's Redmond Shannon explains here. Australians knew Facebook might do this but it was still a shock. From the early hours of this morning, the social media giant began shutting down Australian access to the pages of major news sites. Facebook has even emptied Aussie news pages for all users worldwide. People will just revolt against it. Like, honestly, like especially the younger generation, there would just be chaos. The Aussie anger stuck by Facebook also initially removing non-news pages, including charities and essential services. This is an assault on a sovereign nation. It is an assault on people's freedom. It's all happening because Australia wants social media sites to share some of their huge ad revenues with news outlets. Broadcasters and newspapers have seen ad income fall since the start of the internet era. Facebook argues it actually helps by driving traffic to new sites. If we had actually talked to each other, 
uh, we probably would be in a much better situation than we are today. In contrast, Google has struck multi-million dollar deals with some Australian news outlets. So will the minister insist that Facebook pay what they owe in Canada now? That would be solidarity with the Australians. Ottawa is considering a similar law to Australia's. Just last week, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I was in conversation with France, Germany, Australia, Finland. The consequences for how news is funded could be huge. But it doesn't actually tackle the key issue, which is that the model we've largely had for journalism and largely for print newspapers is broken. That advertisers don't go to print newspapers nearly as much as they used to. The federal government has already pledged $600 million to help some struggling news companies. Redmond Shannon, Global News. This is really quite fascinating because, uh, Matt, you were right. I think social media has evolved quite recently into becoming more than just a social platform. Now it's become one of the most um, used sources of information. And sometimes that can be a good thing. Like in the instance where I think back to uh, a shooting at a, uh, I believe it was the Eagles of Death Metal concert in Paris, France. And I remember this incident where uh, people inside that concert hall were able to share with their friends that, hey, this is happening. We're safe for now. There are people hurt. There are people killed. But it allowed Facebook and those on it to know, okay, um, you know, my friend is currently posting. He's currently online. So I know they're okay and safe for now. So in certain circumstances, like there's there's really good use for these kinds of things. But at the same time, it's the fact that all of these usually devolve into passionate, uh, angry rants and angry debates and angry arguments, which don't actually end up anywhere because nobody's ever willing to admit they're wrong or that what they think or believed might be false. And you get entrenched even further into your position and you're just screaming and screaming until eventually one of you blocks the other, defriends, and all of a sudden all you've done is waste like an hour of your day, spoiled your own personal mood and ruined a friendship with somebody. I miss MySpace. I miss Nexopia because those social media platforms didn't give you the opportunity to throw a news article into people's faces on the timeline. They were simply serving the purpose of here's my selfie. Here's my dog. (laughs) Here's lyrics to an emo song that I'm feeling and vibing to at the moment or on MySpace, you know, here's my custom background. Here's my car. You know, it was just super social without politics, without news. Facebook changed everything. And for so long, guys, I'm not kidding you. I've been waiting for Facebook to disappear, to just die out. The same way that MySpace died out. The same way that Nexopia died out. And every other social media attempt before Facebook arrived on the scene. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if tech companies are just thinking like, ah, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth creating a competition for Facebook anymore because it just, it's, it's the king. I feel like that's so cowardly. Yeah, I feel like with me, Twitter is the one thing that I can't really give up. Like Twitter, like Instagram, I can give up. Facebook, I can, get, mm-hmm. I can give up. But Twitter, I think it based on who you're following. Like with Twitter, I don't think uh, they have that sort of same structure as Facebook, where if you have algorithms um, on Facebook, what you're looking at, that's what you're going to keep getting. So if you're looking, if, if you're seeing fake news on Facebook, you're going to keep seeing fake news. Mm-hmm. You won't get... Real news on Twitter, it's more based on who you're following. So if you're following, you know, the right news sources, the right outlets that you need to follow, you'll get, you know, the correct information that you need to know. But on fa- but on Facebook, their algorithms are just all based. It's not timeline based anymore. You're just getting what you, they think that you want to see, which is really dangerous, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Twitter isn't perfect. I, I see your point. Like you, you only see what shows up on the accounts that you follow. But then you're at the mercy of those accounts to yes. retweet the right things, to exactly, comment on yeah. the right things, to like the right things. Um, ultimately, you know, I think social media is, is, like I said, helpful in certain circumstances. During natural disasters, Facebook allows you to check in so that your friends and family on Facebook know right away, um, oh, Johnny – uh, checked in. He's safe. He's reporting safe. There was a 7.5 earthquake in insert city here. He's living there right now. He's a student overseas, whatever. So it gives that blanket of protection in the event that something is happening and you need to alert the people that are in your life immediately. But 
the way it's been contorted and and honestly just perverted into now becoming a tool for those that might have agendas. And and when it comes to like just getting rid of news, maybe that's the right way to do it. Maybe it's it's actually just the easiest way to do it. Because why Facebook is doing it with Australia comes down to money, but philosophically, I can get behind it. And and look, I know like my bosses probably aren't happy when I say that because we here at CKNW, we have a Facebook page and so does Global News. And we have thousands of people uh, who follow these accounts on Facebook and rely on it for information. It provides a source of employment for a lot of people on the digital side of our company. But I don't think there's anybody out there that kids themselves in thinking that news and politics on Facebook aren't bringing quite a high level of controversy and intermingling debates. Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, the people themselves, us, you know, the people we mm-hmm. have have proved that we cannot be trusted with information. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that look, there used to be a time where the, the, there was an old saying. I forget who said it, so I, forgive me on this, but there was an old saying uh, not that long ago, during like World War One, whoever controlled the seas controlled the world, and then World War Two, whoever controlled the skies control the world. Now I feel like we're at a point now where whoever controls information controls the world. Oh yeah. And especially especially in the digital format. Exactly. Yeah. Because we are less reliant on books, on historical journals, on you know actual libraries and archives that you have to go to in person to see that evidence is is there based on um, you know reviews and things that have been written by scholars that goes back generations, sometimes millennia. Like whoever, who knows? Now it's all like, oh, can I can I find proof of it? Oh, there's one article from a random website that tells me you know this conspiracy theory is actually true, so I'm going to believe it. So like again, the freedom of information, the control of information, it is the way to essentially like quote unquote control the world. Yeah. And I and I say that like, you know, there's no like there's really no Illuminati, right? At, at least based on, on my understanding. But if you are somehow like Facebook able to control the fact that you can just either remove or add news to your app, the world's most successful social media platform out there right now, it gives you a ton of control and maybe we just need to take away news from Facebook so that people can go back to just Using the old method of verifying facts, verifying knowledge, and not just believing everything at first sight. Like the conversation we had with Ryan Recker earlier this past weekend, based on the landing uh, on Mars with the new Perseverance rover, millions of people got fooled into thinking that an old video footage from the Curiosity rover, which landed in 2012, and fake audio that was laid on top of it was actually the real thing from this brand new rover. And so many people were retweeting it. They were thinking like, wow, this is so... So spooky, so cool, so fascinating. Well, it, it, none of it was actually ever correct based on the premise that you were provided with. But nobody cared to do the research. So that's, that's the world we live in. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, hey, how do I find out if this thing is true? If you don't have enough media literacy, you're going to not only you're going to find a bogus mm. article, but you're going to find a, a forum of thousands of people that believe that incorrect information as right, well. Right. So you're going to think that you're right even if you're wrong yeah because you choose to again uh put yourself into a community of like-minded people and and again that comes with risk too and i don't know it's it's a problem that's obviously not going to be solved right away or overnight but australia deciding to you know do this and then facebook deciding well okay no news let's see how you deal with it i'm curious maybe australians will find it refreshing Maybe this will spur on other countries to do similar things. It's the Shift Podcast. Let's get into it, in case you missed it. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Jason Birthday Sparkle Pants Manawas. Wow. And to pull back the curtain, that was all live. That was a one-hit take right there. I love it. Thanks, Maddie. I got the live version of my birthday. Best birthday gift ever. You're welcome, buddy. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. All right. So let's get into in case you missed it. So it was the Australian Open in tennis. 
uh, this past weekend. And Naomi Osaka defeated Jennifer Brady in the women's final of the 2021 Australian Open. The victory gives Osaka her 21st win in a row. And she becomes the first woman to win her first four Grand Slam titles since Monica Sellis in 1991. But it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows because after Osaka's match with runner-up Jennifer Brady, she had an unforced error during her post-game speech. And here it is. Um, hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi. Um, firstly, um, I want to... Com- Do you like to be called Jenny or Jennifer? Jenny. Okay. Firstly, I want to congratulate Jennifer. Um, we played in the semis of the U.S. Open so a couple months ago. and So if you missed it, <laughs> she asked her opponent what name would you like to be called, Jenny or Jennifer? Um, she responded with Jenny, but Osaka still called her Jennifer. The disrespect. Oh, my goodness. But she later apologized on Twitter, and she wrote on Twitter with two crying emojis, I promise you my mind thought I called her Jenny in that moment, and I was so confused on why the crowd was laughing. I'm so sorry. Oh, Naomi. (laughs) I like this a lot. Uh, There's so much to like about Naomi Osaka. She's, first of all, a tremendous athlete, uh, dismantling a ton of uh, established tennis players in that uh, advance to get to the final, to win the Australian Open like this. I mean, just taking care of Serena like it was nothing, really. And then, of course, the fact that she's progressive, she gets involved in social matters. Uh, Again, she's a bright star on a great sport. But I I, I feel like it was done purposely (laughs) because athletes always, you know, it's me against the world. And when you're playing tennis, it's literally just you, right? Unless you got doubles. But more often than not, when you're in the single situation, you have to put yourself as like me against the world. And I feel like Naomi is a little too smart to make a mental mistake like this, where clearly the right answer was given. But, you know, she was just like, okay, I'm going to disrespect you here because everyone's (laughs) listening. (laughs) Oh, man, a little bit of shade there from uh, Naomi Osaka. But you can never tell because she's so humble. She's so sweet. Oh, man, but we'll see. Um, Our second, in case you missed it here, uh, it comes from SNL because, of course, we get SNL content on Global News. And Saturday Night's Live February 20 cold open took aim at several celebrities and politicians, including New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and Republican Senator Ted Cruz, with a talk show called Oops, You Did It Again, hosted by Britney Spears. And here's a bit of that. And now, live from Las Vegas, it's Oops, You Did It Again with your host, Britney Spears. Hey, y'all. It's Britney, bitch. You all know me from my upbeat Instagram videos and the word conservatorship. Basically, I started this show, Oops, You Did It Again, so people could come on and apologize for things they've done wrong. Because after the Free Britney documentary came out, I'm receiving hundreds of apologies a day. Speaking of which, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Notes app. Are you looking to post a lame apology 20 years late? Go through the motions with the Notes app. Okay, guys, let's welcome our first guest. And while the music plays, I'm going to dance. You look tan. Oh, no, I'm not tan. I just cried myself red over my fellow Texans. And that's why I drink in their honor. So, Ted, Texas is going through a huge crisis disease right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's real bad. And you literally abandoned it and flew to Cancun for a family vacation. That's right. And now I'm in a little bit of hot water, which I'm told is a thing no one in Texas has. Well, would you like to apologize? Absolutely. I deeply regret my actions over the last couple days, mostly flying United. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm 
pretty bad at human stuff. So you understand why people are calling you a coward? Yeah, yeah, coward is actually the nicest word I heard. <laughs> but let me ask you this. Would a coward have the cojones to blame his actions on his young daughters? <laughs> you... So, <laughs> primo content there, and if you didn't know that they were going to poke fun at the whole Ted Cruz thing, mm. the whole Britney thing, oh my goodness, Saturday Night Live, that, that writing was genius. Yeah, you know, some people will say SNL might have taken a step back over the past number of years, and hey, it's hard to follow up when you've had so many great comedians uh, take on SNL over the past number of decades, but I got to say, that that was well-written. It was, it was witty. I thought it was exactly what SNL is supposed to be about, a satire, parodies, all of it, and uh, give me more of that. <laughs> yeah, so give me, give me, give me more. <laughs> uh, and if you missed a reference on that notes app, she was referencing Justin Timberlake, just to make that clear. Super funny stuff. And how about this? Um, so in the third, in case you missed it, Disney Plus has attached a disclaimer to The Muppet Show. The service added to its platform on Friday, on Friday. Now viewers will see a disclaimer before certain episodes, which warns of offensive content. And maybe this is why. You're a major star. You're international, right? They certainly know you in every English-speaking country in the world. Do women come on to you? Well, <clears throat> sorry. No. Are you, are you suggesting something? <laughs> I just know most single Wealthy, which you are, famous men end up with a tall, cool blonde at their side. Mm. Do women come I, on to you? Well, I, I haven't had a tall, cool blonde yet, actually, uh, at my side. I mean, you know, I, I've worked with them and stuff like that, but, you know, I'm a frog. <laughs> I know you're a frog. I know Miss Piggy's a pig. Yeah. But yet you, you manage to get together. Who's your ideal woman? If you can have anybody in the world. Peter said Bridget Bardot. Well... You see, there is this pig in my life. Now, if I talk about other women, it's dangerous to my health. Then why don't you marry break me in two, you know. Are you living together? Are you sleeping no. with Miss Piggy? Can we just get right down to it? Are you sleeping with Miss Piggy? I want to know. This is, this is years I watched stuff. you on television. You can't, you can't come on television and ask me about it. I'm on Sesame Street, for goodness sake. I will. <laughs> that was uh, Kermit the Frog there. In case you didn't know. I like that. Uh, you know, I know Disney's supposed to be family friendly, but sometimes their content isn't always family friendly. Not like always. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Yes. The opening sequence where like a bunch of people are hanged, you know, pirates are hanged. That includes women and children, man. It's pretty yeah. dark for like a Disney exclusive title. So uh, if Disney's getting a little, you know, edgy, I'm all about it. Yeah. And I mean, the, the recent sort of addition of The Muppet Show to Disney Plus is great for everybody. But, you know, this was also a show that was produced in the late 70s, early 80s. And a lot of cultural attitudes have obviously changed since then. Good point. So you will see, you know, content about Native Americans and about Inuit people. That's perhaps a little outdated. I mean, it's it's funny, but, you know, it was just a different attitude back then. And, of course... Hopefully, we have a much better attitude today. Right. So that's why the disclaimer's on there, you know? Uh, I mean, it's, essentially, it's Disney covering their butt. But, you know, there it is. Yep. I think it's important to to highlight that for sure. Uh, we got this text already from Dwayne saying, warning labels for the Muppet Show. Come on, give me a break. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, before I get into this, last in case you missed it here. Uh, so uh, an Elon Musk cocktail is made up of one and a half ounces of Four Roses bourbon. Whoa. A half ounce of, Ru- Ru- I can't even say this, Ruby Bolts Tea Cordial, and three ounces of Fever Tree Ginger Beer. Wow. So in case you didn't know, now you know what okay. an Elon Musk is made of. Can't afford any of it. All right. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, close in case you missed it with the bang here, because this punch literally broke the internet on Saturday night as Oscar Valdez delivered the best performance of his career, beating the WBC Super Featherweight Championship off of Miguel Burchelt with an absolutely electrifying 10th round knockout live from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And here's was the sounds from that night. Human dynamite! 
Joseph. Oscar Valdez is the new champion. Wow. Are we, are we sure that's from a boxing match and not after I have dairy as a lactose intolerant <laughs> man? Because it, it feels very similar, that experience. Boof. Boof. You just heard that thud right in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And, and, you know, like, I, boxing is a remarkably uh, historic sport, like combat sport. And I know, like, over the past number of years, the UFC has taken essentially front and stage center uh for all combat sports in the world and and of course ufc is is compelling as heck but boxing there you know there's artistry to it there's there's that history to it and when you get big fights and big knockouts it reminds you like man nothing like a good boxing match as long as it's not boring that's the worst thing it takes time it takes time sometimes and a lot of fights are boring mm-hmm. but when you get big knockouts like this and big fights like this there's i don't think the ufc can compete with boxing if it's always like this but right. unfortunately yeah that's not always the case. It, yeah it's it's few and far between right yeah. uh, because when we get uh I, I mean floyd mayweather he's not exactly the greatest human being but in the ring he is a machine and he's a technically proficient machine who's so good defensively that he makes every match boring because he knows how to counter he knows how to dodge and then he'll just wear you out and then boom it's over like it's not compelling because the storyline is so repeated whereas with these guys you know oscar and, and miguel hey give me that knockout punch that sound that smack people love that stuff that's why you watch combat sports exactly yeah very primal. All right. In case you missed it with uh, the birthday boy, we make him work on his birthday. That's the nature of the industry. That is. You know what? I wouldn't have had, had it any other way celebrating, celebrating my birthday with the uh, wonderful John Jang. Love it. I'll give you your $20 later. Just yeah, kidding. Thank, uh, you. thank you. And the wonderful Matt MacArthur. And, of course, you shift heads. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.